then we'll go from there, okay? All right. Welcome again to another episode of The Rise Show. Sorry for the technical difficulties. I'm joined. First time I've had a tailgate alum, Bree. Welcome to the podcast. Thank um, you. I know it's, it's like the last time I we last time we talked was when Tom Brady had his heart broken by PJ Williams. Yep, yep. Uh, Halloween game. Yeah, the Halloween game, and uh, I remember my girl Nicole. She was at the game. And I remember saying to her, like, I had her text me updates. I was like, I can't watch the end of the game. And I was in um, I was in my building, and the property manager was watching the game. And I'm, like, doodling on my computer on my laptop, right? So, mm-hmm. so she lets out a yell right when right when P.J. Williams intercepted Tom Brady. And it was like that, that, that right there, if, if, I, if, if only that low-life Devin White didn't injure Jameis Winston, it would have been a – that would have been like the start of something big for us. It just felt like, it just felt like a, 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 a 21-gun salute. It felt – it was just great. I just hate that. James Winston got hurt because he was playing some really good ball towards the uh, yeah. uh up to that point. He was getting better. He was getting better in everything. But that's not why we're here. Um, the first thing I know we were going to talk about Monique, but we first wanted to talk about Ryan Kugler. And earlier we talked about it um, about the internalized racism stuff. And I told you, and I and I'll say this um, because I said it when we tried to do it when we tried to report originally. In the time I've been in New Orleans, Bree, I've been a victim of a lot of internalized racism from Black folks. And when I say it's it's it it, it used to it, it originally used to bother me, but it got to the point where I'm like okay, there is no fucking way you treat me differently than you treat a white customer. And I'll give you some examples, and then we'll dive a little bit into uh, the Ryan Kugler shit. When uh, I used to work at Lucky Dog. So you know on Canal Street, they have a 24-hour a 24-hour Walgreens and a 24-hour CVS. The Walgreens is at Canal and Barone. And then the CVS is at Carondelet and Canal. So one day, one night, it was like 1.30 in the morning, I'm wearing an LSU hoodie, a LSU hoodie, dingy, has buster stains on it and everything, right? So I go in there, buy a soda. I'm buying a soda, and the security guard asked me, did he, could, I, could he buy it for me? And I'm like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? He was like, Empty your pockets. At 1.30 in the morning, I'm like, dog, I just got off of work. I just got off of work. Why are you doing this? Okay? I buy the soda. I say, I'll never come back in here again at this time of night. The second uh, second incident that happened, and I talked to you earlier about this, there was a, a hot sauce bar on Decatur and Dumaine. And mm-hmm. I was doing some volunteer 
for WWOZ. And before, I like being on time and shit. So I decide to go to, uh, I decide to go to this hot sauce bar. I go in there. This woman who is over the hot sauce bar, she asked me, do you have shoes on? Keep in mind, I stay uptown. I stay in Central City. Okay? And Long even though I was homeless. Shoes. But, <laughs> right. And you know, and you know, and you gotta walk through all that piss, that piss mm-hmm. and all that shit. So, so she asked me if I'm wearing shoes. I'm like, if as many times I didn't see white gutter punks walk into um walk into this store, walk into Walgreens barefooted. Nobody says anything. You gonna ask me that shit? You you didn't even do that shit for them white folks. So she tells I think me that's just, I, I wonder if it's like cause it's expected of the white people. Or I think it is. Yeah, I want to say that's what that is. Yeah, like like we expect that I'm a gutter punk. Like you you just do. Yeah, but it's like I think looking at it now, I just didn't understand it because keep in mind, I I I had moved there. I just got here, 2017. That was like almost two years after I moved here, so I didn't understand. The French Quarter dynamics. I just didn't understand it. I just think uh, me working in offices, being in thrust into working in the quarter, it was a complete culture shock. It was like a, a complete culture shock for me because I'm not like all this stuff is like high sensory overload, and I'm like, what the fuck is? Where am I? You know. But it, it pissed me off. The other two incidents that broke the camel's back, that broke my back, was an incident where I went to Chase and NOPD detained me on Bienville because they thought, they saw me, I had a blue French, French kind of like vintage French pipe. Um, and I paid like $500 for it. So I go outside on Bienville. I just left Chase Bank, leave Chase Bank, and NOPD detained me. They think I'm a guy that stole out of this gallery uh, on Royal. And I'm like, I know half the people on Royal. I know half the gallery owners on Royal because they buy stuff from me. They buy sodas and stuff from me. They buy stuff from me all the time. So why would I want to steal from there? And the last event that happened was... I went to a Walgreens on Royal and Iberville, and this lady tells me, the cashier tells me, don't come in here again. She calls the cops on me and tells me to empty my pocket. Now, keep in mind, you know, in the, in the, in the quarter, they got the French Quarter Task Force, got the NOPD, they got the state police, they got the levy, uh, the levy board police, they got the Harbor police, they got the sheriff, they got all kinds of motherfucking police policing the fucking French Quarter. And the guy who was going to be the arresting officer was a guy that I sold a cold drink to 30 minutes ago. And I told her, I said, look, here's what I got in my pocket. I got a Bluetooth speaker from home. I got a Bluetooth speaker from home. I got my wallet. Why would I want to steal out of here? I don't want to steal out of here. And the very next week, I quit. I quit working in the quarter. I realized 
that I got so tired of dealing with the internalized racism. And like you said earlier, what happened with Ryan Coogler was internalized racism, but it was also a sheer act of stupidity from that teller. Because the teller, the teller did not, the teller should be fired, period. She bungled that so bad. How can you be so damn uncomfortable with someone wearing a mask when we've been in a pandemic for damn near two years and this guy is trying to follow health and safety protocols and he didn't want to be noticed? $12,000, withdrawing $12,000, you got to be discreet because you don't know who might run up on you. Right. You yeah. know, and like you said, it's kind of like it's just it's so prominent in the community as it is, and people are just so unaware of it, or they just simply don't care because they don't want to acknowledge that they uphold racism in any way. But it is true, they do, and the sooner they realize that and acknowledge that, they can fix it. But but you gotta have like a, but you have to have a heart to change, and you have to have this realization that you have to unlearn those behaviors, because some people just don't want to unlearn those things. Bree, it's like yeah, that's true. Uh, it, it, it's like it, it reminds it. It's like um, I, I I tell this I told this story one time. Um, I one time used to always say to people I felt safe in New Orleans. And it was a woman who had been sexually assaulted or whatever. Uh, she corrected me. She was like, you know, Ryan, you're a guy. You're going to feel safe. And you do feel safe by and large in New Orleans. You can ride your bike at two in the morning. We can't. Mm-hmm. And one day, and one day I, I do a late night radio show at WTUL on Sundays. I remember riding my bike down for Red, for Red going from Tulane University. And I was like, you know, I can freely, I can walk, ride my bike down for Red Street. And I know for a fact, nobody's really going to fuck with me. But if I was a woman, different story. I would have to worry about how am I going to safely get home? I'm going to have to go on, on streets that have, um, that have really good lighting. Nashville Avenue between Ferret and St. Charles doesn't have that that good of a like that they don't have lights that the lights the lighting on Nashville Avenue is really bad. But I never had yeah. to worry about those things because I'm a guy. So that's when I kind of said to myself, you know what? I personally feel safe. But maybe this woman the next but maybe this woman doesn't feel safe. So it's like when people learn, uh, try to learn about their behaviors and they try to fix them, it really comes down to humility, humility and basically maturity. Um, Because, you know, because everyone's always say, well, black people can't be racist. I'm like, no, I've seen how. Well, we can, but we can definitely uphold racism or, you know, racism racist beliefs or white supremacy like yeah we can't be racist but we can absolutely uphold the 
the whole uh, what's the word I'm looking for? White supremacy, internalized colorism is the institution of racism. We can uphold it. Right. The institutional racism. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, I think about how it's like I explained it like I try to explain it. I didn't I poorly worded it, but it's like when I was grow- when I was growing up, it was like the light skinned women, the light skinned kids got treated better than the dark skinned kids. Um, they got treated they got treated better than the than the dark skinned kids. I wasn't really dark skinned, but my mom is. My mom is about your complexion, and my mom told me about how they treated her differently from the light skinned people, the light skinned women at her school when she was growing up. And one time she knocked the shit out of some dude in Texas with a fucking metal lunchbox over some really, really racist jokes. She told me that story. And, you know, and it, it, it's something that we have to really face with. We have to learn and unlearn as a society, as a black, as a black community. And more important, we got to call out other black folks for doing foul shit. Mm-hmm. Because I know I know if this had been a white teller doing this to Ryan Coogler, we would be, we'll be, we'll be an uproar. We'll be an uproar. We know a name, all that by now. Yes, she would have been fired. But it's, but, but, but we can't hold a black woman accountable for doing foul shit. Here's the, the, there's that phrase, all skin folk ain't kin folk. Mm -hmm. It implies to this. Yeah, because she definitely, she didn't, first of all, she didn't do her job properly. Like, at the end of the day, the basis of it all falls down to her simply not doing her job properly. Because had she done her job properly, she would have been able to verify him before she just went the, because she went the cop right uh, route. She, she went the whole I fear for my life route which allows so many black people to be murdered and their murderers to walk free. She went that route. It could have went real bad. Thank God it didn't. But had she only done her job properly, the police would have never been called. Like to watch that body cam footage of him like before he gets arrested and that cop is behind him and he cocks the gun and like Ryan is looking away, so, but the cop is behind him, and you could just see his body tense up in that moment because he has a fucking gun, and all he all he's trying to do is just get his money out of his bank account. He gave her his ID, he had his bank card, he input his pin, like. I just don't understand. Like, I know banks have protocol, like, if people are under duress and stuff like that. He didn't put in anything under duress. If you were, if you were confused about his identity, you could have asked him to pull down his, his mask. That's what they do to verify you at TSA. They ask you to just pull down your mask momentarily so, you know, they can look at your ID and look at your face and make sure it's a match. She simply could have did that had she truly felt like something wasn't right. 
but he wasn't threatening. I, I don't understand. And, he wasn't and, And, and as I as 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 I said earlier, had that been a had Ryan Coogler been white, oh she would she would have been like, oh yeah that's that's normal that's normal he can go and get his twelve thousand dollars right right yeah and it's like it's like she should lose her job like she should lose her job and oh she and absolutely kept- should she absolutely should. And I'm usually not going to support Black people losing their job, especially Black women. But um, she absolutely should, because this is one of them instances where it's like, you know, I don't I don't support all women because some of you bitches is dumb. And she's one of them. Like, that was just dumb on her part. Like, she did not think that through at all. She could have gotten that man hurt. Like, that's just, I don't understand. She just, she truly jumped the gun on that. She really did. She more than not only jumped the gun, she just, she jumped the gun and then heard of that, heard of that gun, jumped another gun and was about to jump another gun. Because even the, um, because even the dispatcher was like, oh, so, you know, oh, so he wasn't verified at all. No, girl, he wasn't. He was not. Not at all. She didn't even try to verify him. Like, and he had everything to verify him with. It just, it just don't make sense. I, I feel like, to me, she wanted to prove a point. And that was a very lousy point. Because I feel like I've seen in the time uh, the chase up here on St. Charles, like the one up here by me, I've seen people go in there with shrimp boots on and all these things and nobody says anything. And it's like, how how can you possibly do something like this knowing that this is the same state in which Ahmaud Aubrey was killed in Mm-hmm. This is, you know, we're not, we're almost two years removed from what happened to George Floyd. And I told you what happened with me on, on Roya and Bienville. Like, how can you be that damn stupid? And and if you're that damn big, if you're in that much duress, you shouldn't be working with the public. You shouldn't. Right, right. If you're that easily startled or whatever you want to call it, you shouldn't be doing that job. Period. And and and, and you know, and like I like I was like I was trying to explain. Like that's why I was like looking at all. Like like I was trying to wait until I saw everything to before I could say something. And I said, okay, common sense will tell you the if the person is verified their ID and everything. Guess what? They're not there to rob a bank. And she just, like I say, she just needs to lose her job. And I hope to God she lose her job. Because you could have gotten this guy killed. You could have gotten this guy hurt and everything. But 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 you wanted to make a prove a, you to me, she wanted to prove a point saying, Oh, I got 
a famous director arrested. Well, well, she don't even know. She didn't know who he was. That's the crazy part about it. She didn't know who he was. She wasn't familiar with him. Because I think had she been familiar with him and what he did for a living, it wouldn't have been a situation. Right. And, and also, as you said earlier, um, as you said earlier, Bank of America is a national bank. It's not like Liberty Bank. It's not like Fidelity Bank. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not like a, it's a credit union. It's not a credit this union, is a, right. It's a, it's a national bank. And I just feel like, like I said, she deserves to lose her job. And oh, absolutely. I hope that because th that's just something you don't do. Uh, that's something. And if she was white, I would say that. Like, if she was white, I would say that. Like, look, it's sort of like what happened with that seahorse character. I say, look, I told you do not invoke a black question of black woman's parenting. And you didn't listen. You failed to, you failed to understand what the fuck you did that was wrong and you still didn't listen so you know what you're dead to me just like this black woman is this black woman's dead to me but anywho we're going to talk about the monique thing because that's what we were going to talk about uh originally before the ryan kugler thing came out and i never liked oprah because i feel like oprah talks down to black folks and I feel like the way I see it, the reason why I say that is because I saw how she did Tony Braxton back in the day. I saw how she did Luther Vandross after he had his stroke. And she wanted Monique to promote this movie for free. And when it originally came out, I was wrong, Bree. I was wrong. I was wrong because I felt like Oprah Winfrey is an icon. How dare you go after an icon? But then when I saw that video when, with Monique, I was like, you know what? There's a reason why I never liked Oprah. Because I felt like she always talked down to black women. She never had that energy for her man's Harvey Weinstein. Mm. And, and Monique said something that was very profound, that black women are supposed to suffer and take it. Mm-hmm. And I thought about when she brought up Fannie Lou Hamer and Aretha Kalsa uh, Haley, who who was who was from here. The way I saw it was she's telling the truth, and it's like I was wrong for not listening to her. And I know a lot of people were like that. And I really want to get your thoughts on that real quickly. Yeah. Um it was never one of the things for me where I was like against Monique because I was very happy to see that she even spoke out against them. Like you don't hear about people speaking out against Oprah because Oprah is held in such high regard in the community. Like Lee Daniels, like, all right, cool, whatever. But Oprah, like you don't hear people talking negatively about Oprah and even Monique said herself, like, she wasn't even trying to, you know, she wasn't trying to speak bad on Oprah. She wasn't trying to get Oprah early Daniels canceled. But she wanted them to um, admit they're wrong. And I don't think there's anything wrong with holding people accountable. We have to hold people accountable, especially people you hold in with such high esteem. Like, why wouldn't you want those people to be held accountable for their actions. 
Like that just don't make any sense. It's sort of like if I I remember talking to me and a friend of mine. We talked about we talked about this all uh, last summer on my podcast. Uh, I know when I say something stupid on Twitter. I well, I know either Dre gonna call me out, either some of my the women that I follow on Twitter, either either you gonna call me out on it, either Dre's gonna call me out on it, my aunt Mandy and Holly Grove's gonna call me out on it. Somebody's gonna call me out on whatever I say that you guys think is offensive, and it's not malice when you tell someone to do better and hold people accountable. You're telling people to do better. That's really what it is. That's it. It's nothing out of malice, and it's like every time you try to tell every like in the black community, I feel like most people when you try to tell them, "Hey, look, you're doing it wrong." They think you're telling you're being mean. I'm like, we're not being mean. We're doing this to help you. And I'm sorry if you don't want to, if you, like I, like I said about that seahorse character, I'm not saying this because I don't like you. I'm saying this because I know you can do better. And it's the right. same thing with, with Oprah. Monique called her out because she knows that Oprah can do better. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I'm like, I'm like, it's sort of like, it's sort of like that's the reason why R. Kelly got away with the shit that he got away with because nobody held him accountable. We all bumped and grinded his music, but nobody held him accountable. But had he touched a black boy or a white girl, we would have held him accountable. Mm-hmm. See, that's the thing. I, I try to explain this to people. Sometimes when it's done to black women, the the tune always changes. Yes. Tune always changes it, when it's wrong done to black women. It just it's never the same. It right. It's like I think about the stuff with Chris Major, like the guy, uh Chris Major. Oh, fuck the him. I did not know how I did not know how terrible he was until the stories came out yeah he's uh, a because I, person. but I, even with him I, being I, an admitted rapist people are like oh blah 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 like still trying to like find excuses for him there's no fucking excuse for that bottom line but, like, no- but it's sort of like what you said earlier like i said earlier i say the same people that say girl dad and protect black women be the main ones that be the rapists and the ones that be uh, accused of sexual assault. Mm-hmm. It, it's like if you if you know it's it's performative. It's like don't put BLM in your fucking uh, bio, and then refuse to listen to a black person telling you that you're in the wrong. Right. Uh, don't 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 put girl dad when. Your tweets show you talking bad about black, uh, dogging out black women. Don't say protect black women when you dog out black women. Don't right. do those things just to get a pass and get kudos. Your kudos come from your actions. You know, your kudos come from your actions and the actions that you present to people. Because if you're always looking for that camera, 
and I'm quote, I'm paraphrasing what my namesake Brian Sandberg said when he got elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. You always paraphrasing. Uh, I'm paraphrasing what he said. If you're always looking for that little red dot on that camera to get kudos for doing something, then what the fuck are you doing it for? Right. Doing it for the wrong reason. And I remember, like I, I like I said, I thought about that R. Kelly thing. I I remember privately telling Shay. I say, Shay, the thing that the only thing R. Kelly knew what the fuck he was doing. He knew what he was doing because he knew that nobody's going to no one's going to go and protect black women. Black women, mm-hmm. the biggest protectors of black women are black women. Mm-hmm. It's not us. And I'm not saying this because I'm talking to you, Bree. Uh, Bri. I'm saying this because I know this is the truth. This is the truth. Yeah, because I we, mean, because everybody who pays attention knows that at the end of the day, black women got black women. Black women got black men. Black women are like such a pivotal part of society, but yet we get the short end of the stick. You know, it's 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 the thing I think about. I think about and I and I like I told someone, I, I didn't really think about it too much until maybe six years ago, even seven years ago. And it's the thing of, you know, I remember telling this to someone. I say, Obama was disrespected as president, but here's the thing. He had a penis. hmm Yeah. Kamala, Kamala, like, Obama was respect. He was disrespected, but he had a penis. Hillary Clinton, the reason why she lost, everyone said, well, she was a bad candidate. I disagree with that. She didn't. She was personify. actually the most qualified candidate ever to run she for president. Didn't, she was too. Here's the thing: she didn't personify true white womanhood. And you know who told me that? It was a black woman that told me that. And I said, "You're right," because she kept her. She kept her, her, uh, her former name. She stood by Bill Clinton, and people did not like. And and some white women did not like that. Mm-hmm. Like that, and now you see it with Kamala Harris. It's like, okay, Kamala Harris, um, in most people's minds, well, she fucked her way to the top. Oh, really? But I bet you, if this was Ke- uh, Keenan Harris, we wouldn't be talking about that. We wouldn't be talking about that, right? We would. And it's like, it's the most confound. it's the thing, like, I remember, I told that to Shay privately, I told this to Shay when Surviving R. Kelly happened. I was like, Shay, the difference between, everyone always wants to say, well, Obama was disrespectful. Yes, he was, but he had a penis. He had a penis. If that was Michelle Obama, I used to, I remember, it was a guy, I cussed this guy out from Wisconsin. He had photos of Michelle Obama looking like a hippo. Mm. I see it here in New Orleans with Mayor Cantrell. And I am a critic. I do. I have some criticism of of Mayor Cantrell, but it's like she took part in some of the second lines during, like, before the parades. And I'm not a fan of Mayor Cantrell, some of the things that she's done in this city, 
However, she deserves to have some kind of joy. It's like black men are allowed to have some sort of joy, but black women aren't. Mm-hmm. I know. I right, so listen. You know, and it, it, it's like it's the craziest thing. It's 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 sad, but it's it's the way of the world, you know. But one yeah. last thing. One last thing before I let you go. We're going to have to talk about the South. And you lived in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And you lived in North Carolina. And me, I've lived in Tennessee, Louisiana, and South Carolina. Um, when you moved to North Carolina after Katrina, what were some of the differences that you saw? You talked about being one of the so few I moved to. I had spent some time in... North Carolina before Katrina. Okay, okay, okay. All right, yeah. so it was before. When when you were staying in North Carolina... I actually Carolina, moved back from North Carolina and then Katrina happened. What were some of the differences? What were some of the differences? New Orleans and North Carolina? Yeah. Um, well, the lack of Black people, I would say... Um, it's really not that many black people uh, where I was at specifically because my grandmother lives in the suburbs like in a city outside of Charlotte so she lives in a suburb so not rural but not like not a big city but um, the socioeconomic status of most of the people in that area was I would say middle class to upper middle class. Um, so not that many black people initially. Now I would say there's probably more black people. Um, but when I was in second grade in North Carolina, I was the only black girl. We had a black boy in the class. So it was only two black children in that second grade class. And I wanna say in a whole elementary, it was probably under 10 black children. Um, in that school at that time. Um, But then when I went back for sixth, no, seventh, seventh through ninth grade, I was in North Carolina again. And middle school had a few more black children, but it wasn't until I went to high school um, and then there were more black children. But yeah, the lack of colored folk was probably the biggest thing for me. Like, um, like I always had like black teachers in New Orleans. Like that was normal. I remember having a white teacher, like, you know, they have a question that goes around Twitter like every fucking year. It's like, in what grade did you have your first black teacher? I can mm-hmm. tell you the first grade I had my first white teacher because black teachers was all I knew, like even you know from pre-K. That's that's mm-hmm. that was the standard in New Orleans. Outside of New Orleans, that is not the standard. You know, I, I feel the same way because like I went to predominantly black schools, and the only white teacher I had K through five was uh, my second grade teacher named Miss Archeo. And that was in second grade. But every other grade I had, they were all black teachers. They were all black teachers. I did have a white PE teacher. He coached baseball. But other than that, 
I didn't have that many white teachers. Uh, when I got to element to middle school, middle and high school, I had a few more. But for the mo- by and large, for the most part, all my teachers, most of my teachers were black. I went to a predominantly black school in elementary school. Went to a predominantly black school in middle school. The junior high I went to had fifty white kids, fifty white kids, in mm-hmm. in the entire school, and we were on like the edge of like the most diverse neighborhood in Memphis, but we had fifty white kids, and the white kids that lived in that neighborhood, they went to Snowden Middle School, which was a viewed as a lot better a, a lot better school and stuff so mm-hmm. when it came time for me to go to college i wanted to go to pw i wanted to go to tennessee state but me personally i had been around predominantly black all my life like my entire life so i needed to learn me personally i needed to learn how to operate with white folks and black folks however i think People who, you know, I think people who did, did who downgrade those HBCUs, I don't really, I, I, I don't understand it because I'm like, you know what? Those are still pillars of the community. Yes, they get underfunded. Yes, they get shitted. They get uh, shitted on by the federal government, but it's they're still hallmarks of the community. Those are pillars of the of our community. And, you know, when I moved to New Orleans, you know, I grew up in a, I grew up in a predominantly black neighborhood. Practically every neighbor I've had was black. It was the first time I ever had a, a, you know, a mixed bag of neighbors, like moving here. And the first time I had a neighborhood bar or first time I ever seen white and black people talking to each other. I never saw that in Memphis. Wow. No, I did like it, it. It's like it's like it. Like in Memphis, New Orleans. Like in New Orleans, in Memphis, we don't have neighborhood bars. We don't have like uh, neighborhood bars. And if you have neighborhood bars, they're like in Midtown. They're in uh, Midtown. They're in downtown Memphis. I lived in um, in Orange Mound, and we didn't have a neighborhood bar. Like the only thing, the closest thing we had was the wing factory, and that was a cowboy's place. That was a cow, you know, for cowboy fans. Yeah. But by and large, we never had. I never had anything like that in Memphis. There was no such thing as like neighborhood bars where you go and hang out. If you wanted to hang out at a neighborhood bar, you had to drive to East Memphis, Midtown, or Downtown. So that was like the big difference from what I saw um, with New Orleans. Um, and then you, of course, um, you you moved back to, you You are still in North Carolina now, right? Yeah, I moved back. I'm in um, Fayetteville. Right, right. When we talk about the South, and, and you and I, we both lived in different, we both lived in different parts of the South. Why do you feel like, and I, and I, and I ask this question, I've asked this question to people all the time, but I always think back to like with the COVID, how the national media covered COVID and how they covered the South and especially in Louisiana and especially in New Orleans. I feel like 
they never they they never at one point in time, Bree, Minnesota had more people in the hospital than the state of Louisiana. One of the highest uh highest percentage places of people vaccinated is a rural county, predominantly black county in Mississippi. But every time there's an increase of people in the hospital in in this country, the national media always shows up in Mississippi, Alabama, mm-hmm. Louisiana. And why do you feel that? Why do you think that's that's the case? Because I feel like they want the national media views us as nothing more than a bunch of dumb poor blacks and a bunch of dumb white trash. Mm-hmm. They never talk about the optics. That's exactly what it is. It's the optics of it. That is going to push their narrative better. That's all it is. And in, in terms of the South in general, what when you think of the South, what do you think of? Because, you know, I can say, you know, me personally, I just think of it as it's a beautiful place, but it's a place where it's a place of suffering, but it's also a beautiful place. Yeah, I love the South. Like, I want to get back further South, honestly. Like, I spent almost a decade living in the Midwest when I was in the military. I hate it there. I hate it. And people don't talk about it enough. Like, I didn't know. But the racism is really bad in the Midwest. Like, it may be worse in the South. Like, because it's that covert racism. It's not the in-your-face racism. And that sounds crazy, but it's like, I've talked to other people about this, but I would rather know out front like up front if somebody is racist mm-hmm. I don't want you being no undercover racist around me like don't do me no favors like that's I don't like that 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 makes me uncomfortable I'd rather know up front and I don't have to deal with you like you know let's not deal with each other let's make it mutual but don't pretend mm-hmm. to be a good person you know in my face but behind my back you know you got on the sheet and that's what the Midwest mm. is. You know, and, and a lot of people don't realize, you know, you know, I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fan. A lot of people don't realize that there are still sundown towns in Illinois. Like in Southern Illinois, there are still mm-hmm. sundown Yeah, that's where I was. I lived in Southern Illinois. And I dated a, I dated a chick that looked just like Marissa Tomei. Okay, look, I've been in love with Marissa Tomei since I was a little kid. Pre, forgive me for this, but the oh, but she lived, Carbon, she lived in Carbondale. She lived in Carbondale, Illinois. Carbondale, Illinois is. I'm familiar. Only, it it it's. I lived it's in Belleville stuff. for like four years. Belleville, yeah, Belleville. They told they my cousin lived in uh, Hazelwood, Missouri. He lived in Hazelwood mm-hmm. across the river, and. and they never would stop and they would never stop in Belleville because they say, look, if you black, don't stop in Belleville. Do not. They, they told me this. Do not stop in Belleville. The one time, the last time I was in St. Louis, I stayed in O'Fallon, in O'Fallon, uh, in O'Fallon, yeah, Illinois. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, 
I didn't go. Belleville is go not Bell- really. It's not. It's really not bad in Belleville. I'm not. Well, it was. It wasn't at least when I was there. It used to be like they used to always say like it used to be like really racist, but there are still sundown towns in the Midwest, and then you you know everyone always looks at Chicago, and Chicago is like one of the most segregated cities in America. Milwaukee is one of the most segregated cities. St. Louis in is one of the most segregated cities in America. Uh, Minneapolis, uh, Minneapolis is just as bad. It's like everyone always points out, well, Minnesota is very progressive. I think, well, go outside of Minneapolis and St. Paul and see what you get. Just go outside of Minneapolis and see what you get if you're a black person. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's amazing how people just think of the South as nothing more than a bunch of racist inbred hicks. And mm-hmm. yes, we do have we do have red racist ass rednecks, but to quote Charles Barkley, we have an abundance of rednecks that fuck it up for everybody. And the people who and the people who are trying to make the South a better place, we need to uplift them up a lot more than the racists. But because we know the racist, the racist assholes are always going to beat us. We know that. But we got to give flowers, our flowers, to the people that are trying to change the South. You know, um, they never talked about my friend Christine over here at Igor's. She got 50 people vaccinated last year. 50 people. She's a bartender. She made appointments for 50 people. You don't talk about uh, the people, uh, the, 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 it's uh, Jeff Davis County. I think that's what it is. It's in Mississippi. What about, you, you don't see cameras talking about that? You don't see the national media mm. talking about that? We gotta, we as Southerners gotta tell our own stories because the national media is not gonna do it for us. Bree, thank you so much for dropping by this podcast. Folks, the podcast will be available on, will be available on Tuesday. Folks, as always, thank you for your time this time. And until next time, we will see you down the road.